We've been talking about a, uh, a biblical view of healing. We want a whole Bible view of healing. And uh, last week, the first point was that God is a healer. He's revealed himself as a healer. We saw that very clearly as we looked at the Bible. The Father heals, the Son heals, the Spirit heals. God is a healer. Let me ask you, has anyone experienced supernatural healing? Yourself or somebody that you know closely, anyone has? Okay, so some of you, I'm just preaching to the choir here. You obviously, once you've experienced the healing of God, then you know he's a healer. And so uh, this is for the rest of you. So those of you who experience healing, you can go to sleep. No, I'm kidding. You can't go to sleep. Uh, in fact, it, it, unless you've already been here through a sermon already and you're, you're sitting here for the second time, some of you, and, and you can determine which is better, whether all the anointing went out the first one or whether it actually builds. Luke chapter 9, Holy Spirit, you're the one who leads us in truth. We open our hearts to you. Then he called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. He sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He said to them, take nothing for the journey, neither staffs nor bag nor bread nor money, and do not have two tunics apiece. Whatever house you enter, stay there, and from there depart. And whoever will not receive you when you go out of the city, shake off the dust from your feet as testimony against them. So they departed and went through the towns, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. I love this. But it begs the question, as I raised last week, why is healing necessary? Did God make a mistake in creation? Why is God a healer? Thing is, if you look at the original creation, the Garden of Eden, there was no sickness. There was no death. If you look at the culmination, when Jesus returns in his glory, his kingdom is established, there's also none. Revelation chapter 21 and verse 3. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God, or the dwelling place of God, is with men. And he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. What's the key? God's dwelling. His presence. Revelation 11 and verse 15 says, the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. So if the original creation there was no sickness, and in the culmination there's no sickness, what's happened in the middle? What happened between those two? It's called the fall. Sin. When Adam sinned, he opened the door to sin entering the world, and two very clear things have happened. With sinning in, in entering the world and the rebellion that it brought against God, there is a diminishing creation. This very creation that God started is now running downhill. 
It's getting worse and not better. It's a result of sin, but it's running downhill. Second law of thermodynamics, for those of you who, who study physics, basically says that things are getting less, not more. Contrary to the concept of evolution, that things are supposedly evolving better, everything around us tells us that things are actually getting worse. All you got to do is read the newspaper. No. But there's a second thing that's happened as well, and that is that as a result of that fall on centering in the world, Satan is now the ruler of this world. That's not a good thing. John chapter 12. In verse 31, Jesus is actually speaking. And... Uh, says, now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world shall be cast out. He's talking about the devil. In case you didn't get it there, he says again in chapter 14, in verse 30, I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming, and he has nothing in me. He's talking about the, Satan. In fact, 1 John 5.19 says, the whole world lies under the sway or the influence of the wicked one. So what happened is that between this original creation and Jesus coming, Satan is now the ruler of this world. And sickness is tied in with that. And that's why Jesus gave them authority to cast out demons and to heal the sick. And he coupled that with the declaration of the kingdom. See, healing is an expression of the kingdom of God being reestablished on the earth. Healing is an expression. The rule of Satan is being interrupted by a new rule. The kingdom of God actually means the rule of God. So Jesus is bringing a new rule, and when we submit to him, when we come into relationship with him, we're transferred out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son. Jesus is ruling in people who submit to his rulership. That's the good news. The bad news is people who don't submit to his rulership are ruled by the devil. He's the ruler of this world. You still like me, right? That's why healing is connected with the uh, preaching of the gospel. Matthew 4.23, Jesus came preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all who were sick. Why? Because the new rule, the new uh, rule of God coming in is upsetting the rule of Satan, and sickness is associated with that rule. That's why there was no sickness before in the original creation, and that's why there's no sickness at the end when Jesus comes. It's in this time frame where we happen to live. So, bottom line is sickness comes from the fall. So, if we're going to talk about a whole Bible view of healing, there's uh, some filters that we have to recognize that affect 
whether we're able to see a whole Bible view of healing. Thing with filters, it's kind of like blind spots. You know, people say when you have a blind spot, problem is you don't see that you're blind there. When you have filters, you don't recognize often that you have filters. We've been taught certain things that have become just part of our worldview, and we don't recognize it. And the problem is when you have filters, you tend to only read the things in the Bible or see the things that reinforce our filters. And so we need to recognize what they are so we can be set free. And as I said last week or the week before, I'm not sure, that not all these filters will apply to you. But you need to understand them because they might apply to the people that you're praying for. And they might have a filter that limits them from moving into faith that Jesus wants to touch them and heal them. And so it's very difficult to overcome that without actually removing the filter first. So that's what we want to talk about. So I want to talk about three filters to a whole Bible view of healing. Now I have to say this up front. In breaking this whole series up into to little pieces, I find it very difficult because I hate to focus on just the, the filters, the, the bad things. I like to focus on the good things, but you're only going to get the bad things. You're going to get them all at once, and we'll get, we'll get beyond it to, uh, to good stuff next week. Okay? So if you're first time here and you're visiting, uh, come back. <laughs> so the first filter is what I call the God's will filter. God's will. It basically, a guy named John Calvin, a theologian, he had a certain definition of the sovereignty of God that basically said everything that happens is God's will, and therefore sickness, if you get sick, must be God's will. Well, it's really tough to pray for healing if you believe that sickness is God's will. It actually comes from a guy named Augustine, an older theologian who was influenced by uh, uh, just Greek philosophy. But something happened with Augustine. There was a shift from a, that the church had this warfare worldview, that Jesus was the victor, he's come, he's established this rule, he's overthrowing the rule of the enemy. And there was this warfare, this conflict that goes on. And Augustine shifted away from that to a blueprint worldview that basically tried to say God's like the, the, uh, the guy, the designer of the, the clock. He, he, everything fits together. And you have to see how it fits together. And it's this blueprint. And they moved away from this warfare. And so from that developed this concept that everything that happens is God's will. And therefore, if you get sick, it must be the will of God. Problem with that filter is it totally ignores what the Bible says about the fall and Satan being the ruler of this world. The Bible's very clear. Is God sovereign? Yes, he is. Did he give man choice? Yes, he did. Did man choose to sin? Yes, he did. Did that open up the door to Satan being the ruler of this world? Yes, it did. Is God intervening to restore that? Yes, he is. But between the creation and the return of Jesus, we still live in this time where Satan is the ruler of this world. I get excited, so I speak fast. (laughs) Here's a thought for you. If sickness 
is God's will, he would never heal. So why would he reveal himself as a healer if he never heals? We could spend a whole lot more time on that, but just understand, God's not the author of sickness. Second filter, cessationist filter. Most of you this won't apply to, but it does to me. My background, I came out of a church that believed that that miracle ceased. That's what cessation is, not sensationalism. It's cessation, it ceased. Basically, the belief is that Jesus healed as a demonstration that he was God, but healing doesn't continue today. That it ended with the last apostles. This was a belief popularized by a guy named B.B. Warfield. Wrote a book in 1918 called Counterfeit Miracles. And the context of what was happening is that Darwinism was affecting the academic world. Darwinism, which basically was that things, uh, a scientific worldview, only natural things are real. And there was this belief that supernatural didn't happen. And so there were some liberal theologians who were influenced by that who basically said the miracles in the Bible never took place. They're just myths. And one of those theologians decided he was going to rewrite the Bible and remove the myths so he was going to demythologize the Bible. Well, B.B. Warfield, who was much more conservative, said, we can't allow that to happen. So he came up with this idea that maintained the authority of what the Bible said, but still he believed that there were no miracles today. He believed the scientific worldview, anti-supernaturalism. So basically he said, the miracles took place in the Bible, but they ceased with the apostles, and there's no miracles today. <laughs> Hence, cessationism. They ceased. How do you say that quickly? You don't. Thank you, Mary. Problem is, he started with an idea and he's trying to argue philosophy, and he ignored what the Bible actually says, which is that the supernatural in the Bible confirmed the message, not the person. Mark 16, verse 20, and they went out, preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word that word, as we saw last week, is the word of the gospel. Confirming the word with accompanying signs. See, the kingdom is breaking in. The message that there is a new kingdom is confirmed with supernatural power. It's not the person that's being confirmed. It's the message. And so when God moves today, if he happens to, to use you to confirm through supernatural healing the message of the gospel, it doesn't mean anything about you. Doesn't mean you're holy. Doesn't mean your theology is right. It just simply means he's big enough to use anybody. Yet too often people argue, if God uses me, then I must be right. No, he's confirming the message 
not the person. Do you feel like that you're not good enough to be used? You're in a good place. Because he doesn't use perfect people. If he did, he would never do anything. Because <laughs> he's got nobody to work with. Why can he use us? Because of who he is. Not because of who we are. In spite of us. See, why is it important? Because the kingdom is still advancing. And the gospel is still being confirmed with signs and wonders around the world. See, this kingdom that Jesus brought, it, it was established and it's been growing. We talked about last week or the week before, I forget. It's been growing and deepening. Uh, it's, in fact, affecting the world. 200,000 people are getting saved every day added to the kingdom every day. It's growing and growing, but until Jesus comes, Satan is still the ruler of this world. So there's still an opposition. There's something of God at work. Okay. Thing with limited time is it makes me stay focused and talk fast. Which is why we record these so you can listen later and say, what in the world did he say? That accent. Play about the accent. Third filter. I'm going to call the religion filter. Religion filter is this. It's a belief that healing is earned or deserved. You hear people say stuff like, someone else deserves it more. Or I don't deserve to be healed. Or someone else needs it more. Got this idea that God's got one or two miracles, that's all. And he's got to find the most needy. One, it's a, a wrong concept of God. But it's also this idea that if I do the right things, I'll get healed. If only I did this, I'd be healed. If only I did that. If only I gave more. If only I did, and that's perpetrated in religion throughout the world. You can buy miracles. That's why we had the Reformation. Because the church was saying, you can actually buy your way out of hell if you give to the church. Anytime someone associates money with healing, it's religion. And stay away. Because it's the wrong idea. See, it misses the whole point. And that is that there is a bigger worldview that I'll call cause and effect worldview. We have this cause and effect worldview that permeates our culture. And that's basically that there has to be a reason why something happens. How many of you have ever seen The Sound of Music? Anybody? Okay, some of you will sing. Marty knows that, you know. Mary has seen it multiple times. There's a point where the young gal is, thinks she's falling in love with this guy and she begins to sing. Somewhere in my youth or childhood, I must have done something good. Nothing comes from nothing. Nothing ever could. So somewhere in my youth or childhood, I must have done something good. 
Somewhere in my youth or childhood. <laughs> yes, I have. But see, the concept there is that there has to be a cause for every effect. There has to be something. So if I'm going to get healed, it must be because I've done something. Now, it works the other way around. If I'm sick, it must be because I did something wrong. In other religions, it's called karma. In science, it's called cause and effect. But the reality is it creeps into our biblical uh, worldview. And it says, I have to do all the right things. Problem is, it misses the point. And that point is this, every blessing from God is an expression of his love and grace. It's unearned and undeserved. Whether it's salvation or healing, whether it's deliverance or provision or protection, it is an expression of God's grace. And we don't earn it, we don't deserve it. And if we think we do, then we get a little bit of the credit. Oh, look what I did. And the byproduct of that, if we're not careful, is, is that we begin to touch God's glory. And if he should use us, we think it's because of our holiness or our faith or our something. And therefore, sure, Jesus healed, but he did it through me. Don't you wish you had the anointing I have? Don't you wish you had the faith that I have? Don't you wish you were as holy as I am? And we begin to touch God's glory. I shared a number of weeks ago, I think one of the reasons why we don't see the same amount of miracles in the Western world as we see in the developing world is because of that. People are touching God's glory and God just removes his power. He says he'll share his glory with no man. So, run out of time, which is probably good for you. <laughs> Application. Well, we need to ask God to open our eyes to see the whole world. The whole word, not the whole world. The whole word, the whole world as well, but to see the whole word. To set us free from the filters that blind us, that limit us. We need to recognize again a warfare worldview. And in doing that, recognize that Jesus is the victor. He's conquered the forces of darkness, and sickness is not from God. Now, it's not always directly from the devil. We live in a diminishing creation and there is sickness and sometimes we just get sick. And God was very wise and he made us so that our bodies have this way of, of healing. If you get a cut and it doesn't get infected and you push the, it'll, it'll eventually heal. 
And we have the medical community that helps us maximize that healing that God's built into our bodies. But we're talking about something beyond that. We're talking about supernatural. The, the signs and wonders that accompany the, the gospel. The fact that you heal when you get a cut or a sprained ankle doesn't confirm the gospel. It's, it's nice that it happens. A number of years ago, I think I told you this, but uh, I got up one night and walked into a door and broke my toe. The end of the door, not, not a closed door, but the, and broke my toe and it swelled up and it was fractured and it was uh, black and blue and, huh? What are you guys? I, I know that I'm loved by Jesus anyway. But I did that on a, on a Friday night, early Saturday morning, and Sunday morning I'm in church and I'm standing there trying to worship on one foot because I can't, I can't put any weight on my foot, it's, it's sore, and uh, got caught up in worship. And at one point I realized I was standing on my foot and it didn't hurt. And I started jumping and God had totally healed my broken toe. Now the problem is I severed a anterior cruciate ligament in my knee when I was young. Never got it fixed. Lived that way all my, my whole life. It's always caused me problems. I prayed for healing. God touched my toe. Absolutely healed it. By the time I got home from church, all the, the swelling was gone. The, the discoloration was gone. It was a miraculous healing. And I said, but God, the knee, the knee, do the knee. The toe will heal. Mary had frozen shoulder once, and uh, in the midst of worship, she had shared one evening with some friends who had come how limited she could move her arm, and the next day in worship, just in the presence of God, not even praying about healing, not in, just the presence of God, all of a sudden she finds herself with her hands up, and it shocked her. She whacks me. Boom! I'm in worship. Boom! What? 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 I said, look, look. I said, look at what? She said, my shoulder is healed. And one of our friends who knew the problem, who was actually part of the worship team, just started weeping because she recognized it was a move of God. Supernatural. See, the thing is, when we attribute evil and the works of the devil to God, we're actually abusing his character. And we need to repent. When we have a filter that makes us say, this is God, when it's actually the devil, we need to repent. We had a, uh, Mary and I lived in Denver, Colorado, in a suburb, Westminster, and we had a situation a number of years ago. A young girl, 10-year-old girl, on her way to school, three blocks walking to go to school, was missing. And thousands of people searched every open space, every park, everywhere in the city. A few weeks later, it comes out that she had been abducted, abused, killed, and actually cut up into pieces, and the guy had hidden her body pieces around the city. 
Everyone in that city knew that that was evil. Yet a local pastor wrote an article that this was the will of God. What was he doing? He was defending a theology because he had a filter. See, when we have a filter that says this is God's will, we actually do away with the very concept of evil. It's the greatest ploy of the devil to blind humanity that says sickness, disease, evil, this is all the will of God. No, the world lies under the influence of the evil one. He's the ruler of this world from creation to the point of Jesus' return. But we get to partner with Jesus to bring a new rule. And with that comes the supernatural confirmation of the gospel. So I'm going to ask you if you'd bow your head. I've gone longer. If you've ever said to someone, the sickness is the will of God, you just need to repent and apologize to God for defaming his character. If you've thought that, then you need just to ask the Holy Spirit. Maybe you need to get back into the Word. Be the Bereans who heard Paul and they went and studied the Word. You don't have to accept it because I say it. But you have to say, okay, what does the Bible say? We're talking about a whole Bible view of healing. And the problem is we can't go on to healing if we have filters that blind us to what God wants to do. On that end of the theological spectrum, they don't see a whole lot of healing because they don't pray for healing. On the other end, they do. And we'll talk about that later, but we just need to say, God, set me free. Why is this important? Because we're seeing a move of God that's impacting the world. And we're seeing with the preaching of the gospel and the focus on Jesus, a new confirmation of the gospel with signs and wonders and healing. But that's the privilege of every believer. Why are we doing this series? Because we're equipping the saints to do the work of the ministry. And sometimes for people to move into an area of faith that God wants to heal them, they've got to have the filters removed. And maybe it's not a filter for you, but it might be a filter for someone else. And so we just need to say, Holy Spirit, open my eyes to see the totality of your word. Remove the limitations. Not just for me, but so that you can use me to help set others free. So Lord, we just thank you for the goodness of your grace. Lord, the fact that we live at this time in history is incredible. Probably the most exciting time in your kingdom. And we get to be here. And Lord, we just recognize what a privilege. It's not because of anything we've done. It's because of your grace. But Lord, we want to be partnering with you to see your kingdom advanced. We want to be partnering with you to, to boldly declare the gospel, but also to see 
the confirmation of that with signs and wonders. Well, we recognize it doesn't take a super apostle. It doesn't take a evangelist. It takes anyone filled with your spirit. And so we just say, we want to partner with you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.